Welcome to Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Your host, Lisa Leo, leads a roundtable in the universe to discuss women in music, literature, science, and more. Warning, time travel is possible. Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Lisa Leo. This month, Gal's Guide to the Galaxy is celebrating Gal Champions of Sports. And if you head over to galsguide.org, you will find a great article written by Rebecca Burfanger all about roller derby. I interviewed Rebecca about her time as a volunteer and active member of the Circle City Derby Girls in Indianapolis. We talk about the basic rules of the game, also known as bouts. We talk about the common misconceptions and stereotypes and how they're wrong and also about what it takes to be a part of a roller derby league. Without further delay, here's Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I live in Indianapolis. It's where I grew up. Um, I moved away for a couple years. I also lived in Boston for several years. I lived in Chicago and Washington, D.C. And then I moved back here, and it's kind of a story of why I'm still here. But I like it here. Um, I My recent, I guess, occupation is... Like a lot of people now, I have like multiple jobs and they're all kind of different in their own ways. So I was a reporter for several years after I graduated from college. And then um, I mostly worked for legal newspapers for a really long time. So I eventually uh, decided to go to law school. So I've been a practicing attorney for about three years and I've had several, not several, but I've had a couple of different jobs doing that. And right now, um, the main one is I have my own practice and through that I have a couple um, I do various things. I'm, I guess, general um, general practitioner. Um, and then I also am an adjunct professor, and I teach a media law and ethics class for a um, for Ball State University online. I've been doing that. Um, this is I'm going into my fourth year of doing that. So just a lot of different things. And it, at various points, I did have full-time jobs plus those other jobs. So it's, it's kind of weird to have just all these part-time jobs, but that's kind of my um, my deal. And as, yeah, and as we were kind of talking about before this interview started, I was, I have a couple cats. Um, I'm married, no kids. And, um, and that's about it, I guess. Awesome. Yeah. It's kind of the way of the world these days to be a jack of all trade, multiple jobs, right? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's the world we live in. So with all of the jobs that you're juggling, how did you get into roller derby? So that was, um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of the timeline. So that was in, uh, well, we'll go back. So as my article states, the first time I'd heard about like kind of the newer roller derby was when I saw it on um, Insomniac, which was one of my favorite shows. Like I liked that show so much. I wish I could have like written for that show and traveled around with Dave Attell and whatever. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's been on for several years. So people listening to this are like, what What are you talking about? (laughs) But, um, but there's a clip of it in the article. So if anyone wants to see that clip, it's kind of, that clip kind of shows how the rest of the show was like, you go around and do these kind of like midnight tourism things. And, but I just was like transfixed by the roller derby one he did in Texas. Um, And I think it was two, I want to say 2003 ish, 2002 or 2003. And so that's the first time I had seen the new roller derby. I think a lot of people hadn't even seen, they probably didn't even see that show or know it even existed. And it was also like, there was internet, but not the same. It's, it like wasn't like there wasn't social media or anything for people to be like, oh, there's roller derby, we should check it out. And so then um, a couple of years, so I was living in Boston at that time. And then I moved to 
back to Indy and I was working for a, a publication. And at some point I was like, you know what? Indy should have, or does Indy have a roller derby team? That was kind of, at some point I just like kind of just threw that question out there and we didn't. And it was still so new. Like not a, like a lot of major cities had it. Like I think Chicago did at that point. Um, probably New York. I, I don't know all the cities. So I don't want to like name them and, and be wrong. Um, but a lot of, but bigger cities were starting to get it. Maybe even a couple of like mid, mid size, like indie size, like maybe Louisville and um, Cincinnati. I think their leagues are kind of about around that time. So anyway, that was about 2005 or 2006. And then around that same time, there was a league starting. There are a couple of different versions of how that all came together, but there was a league starting in central Indiana. And I even had friends at that, at the job I had at the time that were starting it. And they're like, Hey, do you want to do this roller derby league with us? But at the time it was so new, like just getting gear was an issue or getting skates and they would practice in like parking lots. But I really, I appreciated that it was like a DIY kind of feel where they were just like, okay, there's a parking lot. We're going to skate around or they even had a, um, they would skate at rinks, but rinks weren't necessarily good because they'd have rinks have like birthday parties and stuff, you know, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to run it out to like a roller derby, this brand new thing when they could have like a birthday party and know they were going to make money or whatever. So anyway, there's all these other issues. Um, but then, but I couldn't, uh, at the time I was, at that time I was working two jobs too, funny enough, um, because I needed to, to afford my rent, which is a whole other story. But anyway, so I, um, so I couldn't do it at that point, but I still kind of had it like, oh, I still want to do this. Well, then at some point a newer league started in my, in Indianapolis. And at that point, um, it was getting some coverage by local like alternative press. And I was just really and that was the point where I was like, you know what? I've been wanting to do this for, by then it was like, yeah, it was 2009 is when I finally decided to like do one of their boot camps. And I was like, you know, I've been wanting to do this for like six, seven years. Like this is, I got to do this. I'm not getting any younger or whatever. And I had a friend who also, um, we both like had been chatting and wanted to both do it. And so we bought our skates online. There used to be this uh, place. I mean, all these, like a lot of places don't even exist anymore. Kind of in my story, but there's, um, there's this place called Sin City Skates. And they were just known on the internet as like, that's where you get your rookie package. And my friend and I we were just talking about this the other day, even because we remembered like back then, like that was the option. And it was like $350. It was like, it was kind of expensive. Um, wow. And not knowing if you're even going to do this thing long term or if you're just going to want to try it out and be like, nope, this novelty is worn off. So you kind of, so investing money, it's like you're, you're kind of, you're in it at that point. Cause it's like, okay, I already have my, like, you need all this gear, you need elbow pads, knee pads um mouth guard helmet and that's not even a and I, I'm probably even forgetting something and then with the skates like skates can even just be expensive on there and you got to get wheels and you can have laces and all these like kind of fancy you know different um accessories but some of this and, and a tool to fix it and a tool to adjust your wheels I don't know all these you learn all these like little tricks and things um but anyway so I did the boot camp and I loved it but even then, like the time, like just, it takes a lot of time to do this sport, like any sport, I guess. But it's not like you go to, it's not like if you do like intramural, um, I don't know, I mean intramural, but you know, like if you're somehow in like as an adult in like some sort of league for like softball or basketball or whatever, and you just kind of show up with your shorts, <laughs> or if you're doing like a soccer, maybe you have cleats, I don't know. But it, you have to have like all the special gear for safety, um, and it can really just like add up. So, Anyway, but it's just there's a lot of time, there's a lot of money, um, but you you figure out if you like it enough. And so I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to keep doing it. But then, um, but yeah, I just personally didn't have enough time. So at some point, I decided, you know, I'm gonna keep doing this for like the exercise. But for me, it was more of a recreational 
than the competitive that a lot of my teammates had. Um, but it was definitely a lot of fun. And I think, as I mentioned in the story, like I still am friends with a lot of people I did it with. So, um, yeah, so I just kind of rambled on. I don't know if that, if that answers no, the question. No, that's great. Okay. Yes, yes, it does. And it, it sounds like it was a real grassroots effort, right? It, it wasn't yes. yeah. something that had a giant league already to it. There was a lot of everyone having to come together in a team effort to put this this together. Yeah, right? def- yeah, definitely. Like we had, um, there were a lot of like different, um, I don't know ex- exactly the right word to say, but I guess we all had our obligations to even be a part of the league. So we all had to pay dues. Um, I think that's kind of one of the misconceptions. Like people don't realize like not only do you have to buy your equipment and your uniform and all that other stuff, you have to pay dues because that's how they paid for like rental space. Cause yeah, they didn't own, and I don't think any leagues, at least not in Indianapolis, um, some leagues might own their spaces, but not very many do. And even just trying to find like a space because the track has to be, I want to say 10,000 square feet. I might be off a hundred square feet here or there, but it's huge. And then not only do you need that, you also want to have like a space for people to like maybe have a couple lockers for people to put their stuff or have like a space to have um, like a couple extra like workout or like off track um, workout areas. And then we were, when I was um, just joining the league, they were between even just venues where they would play uh, bouts and so they were, there was like, so then, so part of why I joined was, uh, kind of the laziness factor, even though it was a lot of work there, the practice space was like two minutes from my house. So I really, at that point, I really did have no excuse to, to join. Um, it was like an old ice skating rink that they decommissioned as an ice skating rink, maybe about that year or the year before. And so, um, it was this park, it's right by my house. So that was like super convenient. Like I said, it was only two minutes away. So I just had to like throw my stuff on and, and drive over there. And then when they started, um, at some point they started doing, they found a venue that was another ice skating rink, um, but they would do summer because in the summer they would de-ice, there was two rinks, they'd de-ice one of the rinks. And so like roller derby, or, yeah, roller derby would happen in one rink. And I think they did other stuff in that rink too, maybe like just training for hockey teams or something. So a lot of high, high school hockey teams played there and then, um, even in the summer, they still had a rink open. So people, yeah, so it was definitely very DIY. Um, we all had to have, uh, we all were part of committees. So I was on the PR marketing committee. Um, but we also had like a bout production committee. We had a sponsorship committee, a merchandise committee. Um, I'm trying to think what other, I don't know, several other committees and each one. And then we also had a board of directors and I don't remember if we were a nonprofit or not, but we were kind of run like one, like the board of directors, um, we had, you know, like president, vice president and so forth. And we were all, this was all volunteer. Again, nobody was getting paid. We were paying to be part of it. And then when we had league days or league or, um, sorry, about days, everybody was expected to volunteer. So even when I wasn't, um, competitively skating, I was still working like at the ticket booth or I had to do, I don't know, every, there were a bunch of different tasks. And then later on, um, I think I mentioned this in the article too, like later on, I ended up doing what's called non-skating official task, which is a volunteer, but you're kind of like the volunteer that helps, um, that helps the referees do their jobs and the referees, they don't get paid either. They get, they might get like the closest they get to getting paid is they might get some free food at the end. And a lot of volunteers, there's usually free food for volunteers, um, like pizza or whatever, but then they would also maybe get a stipend for traveling. Cause they would come from leagues like all over the Midwest would come 
Sometimes it was the visiting team's ref, or sometimes it was just like a ref who maybe like the Cincinnati ref or a ref from Kentucky or whoever, um, if they were free that weekend. And they, they're kind of the, the real like unsung heroes of, of Derby because they travel all over and they're superstars as far as I'm concerned because they're not getting the recognition that the skaters get, but they're still doing, like they still have to be able to keep up with the skaters because they they're on their skates too and they're skating around and, and, um, and they don't get breaks like the skaters do. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely like a team. Like you said, it's a team effort. Everybody has to pitch in. Um, I don't know that they ever actually did anything if someone didn't pitch in other than the other skaters might be kind of upset about if they're like a little resentful yeah like hey she always gets she's always and they had like it was a rostering process too so um you weren't automatically on every roster and that kind of shifted when I was on the league like they when I first started they only had one team like it was the it was the home team and the travel team um meanwhile the bigger league in town that had been around longer um Naptown Roller Derby they had um now they have three teams. So they have uh, like their A team, their B team, and then their C team, I guess. And the C team um, is kind of like the newer, you know, it's like the newer skaters and they usually end up moving up to the B team um, at some point. And same with the B team moves up to the A team or whatever uh, over time if they stick with it. But, um, but yeah, and I still remember like I, around the time I joined, I had just like, I was going, I had a lot of other stuff going on. No surprise. Like that semester I, I say semester because at the time I was adjunct teaching a class and then and I was driving up to Muncie once a week to do that and then I was also in the process of buying a house and oh wow yeah (laughs) and there was I feel like there was a third thing I'm not maybe the third thing was just roller derby and I was working and you know just doing I was I had a full-time reporting job at the same at that same point in time and I had the cats and whatever too I guess Um, but um, but yeah so I was already juggling a lot at that point and, and it, and I think it was that year or the, yeah, I think it was my first year. Our practice spaces kept shifting. Like there was a practice space on, um, and all over different sides of town. Like there was a practice site on the South side of town, which is just like a regular, like a roller skating rink, but it had its issues. Like, I think it only had like one working bathroom and it was kind of gross and there was always leaks in the ceiling and whatever. And then we had another skating, um, space that was inside a mall, which was interesting it was like an old store. It was a, it was a giant um, store, but it had like this, the floor was weird and that was always leaking. So it's basically like this mall that nobody went to anymore. And so that store, that's why <laughs> a that, dead mall. Yeah. It was like a dead mall. And that's why yeah. that store closed. And then every once in a while, this mall, like, I don't remember if it, I don't, it never, I don't think it ever happened when we were practicing there, but it's not, every now and then there would be like a shooting or a, a scare wow. of some, yeah, it was kind of a, a not, like we felt safe in the practice space, but maybe we were just naive. I don't know. But anyway, so that mall had, the, <laughs> so we skate, there was the mall practice space. There was, a, um, I'm trying to think where else, like sometimes they'd still practice in that hockey rink, but because it was winter, the city would sometimes like it was parks, you know, it was part of the parks department. So they'd winterize that space. Um, but yeah. And then eventually they did get, and now they do have their own warehouse space that they rent. So eventually they were able to figure out like, okay, we can't, expect people to like drive all over town every week and every like it, like I think it was certain days a week had the same you know like I'm sure they had a deal with like you know Tuesday Thursday was one space Wednesday was this other space um a lot of us who were with it because again that was nine years ago a lot of us here with it back in the day we we're still like 
remember when we skated at the um at the mall or remember there was like one place they skated it was like a a basketball court at an old it was an old school and it's actually it's kind of funny like and that's right in my neighborhood too it's the school where I vote it's by my you know my voting place or whatever and um but that one was like and they would skate in these spaces that were like just barely the right space for the for the rink because they would have enough space um for the skaters and they'd set it up or whatever it's and it's flat track so they just have to put down some like rope and measure it's all like it was all very um regulated by the um by the women's flat track roller derby association and so they you know so every every rink or every track had to be like the same width and length and and the and the ref areas had to be about the same but i think there was not really a ref area because it just the space wasn't big enough but anyway but everybody's like oh that floor was so slippery so that's another thing like sometimes the floors were just not pretty and you'd have to change your wheels to you know match the floor and Anyway, but it was a very, um, it was very interesting, but it was kind of like, I'm trying to think like how to compare it. Like, it's not like, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like the military, but it sort of is because you'd have these like shared experiences of just weird weirdness and you, you know, get through them. And it's similar to like when, when they would travel for bouts, um, which they still do. I think pretty much all leagues still travel, um, to other, other cities and, and states to do their different bouts and when they travel you don't know what kind of floor you're going to get when you're traveling either and so you kind of have to rely on that other league to explain to you oh yeah this is the kind of wheel we use because our floor is really slippery because it's concrete and it's polished or oh we have a wood floor because we skated a roller rink and the floor therefore is a little stickier so we'll use these wheels instead so it's kind of an interesting yeah it's kind of like you never know what you're going to get but that also but I think the fans never knew any of this stuff like I think this is all just stuff that the skaters and the refs and maybe a couple other people might know, but it was something that, you know, I found that interesting that just even, even venue to venue, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, that's really interesting. So there, there's quite a bit of adapting, especially when you're traveling to a different location, but that's adding an additional element of, of challenge for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk more about the travel, but before we get into that, um, we probably should give kind of a basic explanation of the game. Would you be able to um, kind of fill us in on just just the very basics, like just explaining it like for someone who only has heard the name roller derby and that's all they know? Sure. So it's basically you have um, you have two what they call packs. Each team has its own. Um, and so you have. One and each pack has up to five skaters at a time, and I say up to because if somebody commits a penalty, they'll sit in the penalty box, so there might not be all five on the track all the time. Um, and then the two, well, I guess the whole thing, like all the skaters, the biggest group of skaters on on the track for both leagues is the pack. Um, but anyway, but you have the two uh, packs of five. One of those skaters in each pack is what's called the jammer. And that's the one who has the star on her helmet. And we call (laughs) it's depending on who you talk to. Sometimes it's called a helmet cover and sometimes it's called a jammer panty. So, (laughs) so it just kind of like, it's, uh, yeah, I kind of think that goes back to the DIY. Like nobody knew what they were doing. So they just kind of making up names for stuff. Right. So anyway, so then you have, but I'll just call it helmet cover for simplicity. Um, But they have a star and the person with the star, their goal is to get through the pack. So the first time they get through it, they don't score any points. It's just, just the goal is just getting through. 
And meanwhile, like the skaters on your team are helping you through the skaters on the opposite team are trying to let you are trying to make it so you can't get through. So those other skaters are called blockers. So the, so again, the jammer is the, the star who's trying to get through it. Blockers are the ones who stay in the pack and try to help their jammer get through. Um, and I don't want to get too into it because there's, there's also another helmet cover called the pivot cover. And the pivot is the one who leads each pack, like who kind of is um, keeping her head on a swizzle, looking around, making, you know, seeing, okay, jammer's coming through, jammer's not coming through, is likely the one who's going to say, you know, yell out names and tell people, tell skaters to get into what they call lanes, which is like, depending on how far it is from the middle or the edge of the track. So they'll have, you know, like get in lane three, get in lane two, jammer coming around the corner or whatever. And so then, um, so anyway, so then this, so if the jammer makes it through the first round and then goes around the tracks, usually the blockers are going slower than the jammer. The jammer's usually pretty fast and the, and the blockers are also going slow on purpose to not, you know, to try to get the other one to not get through. Then when the jammer gets through the second time, that's when she scores points. And, and I'm saying she, there's different leagues. There's men and juniors and, um, and whatever, but, um, but I'm going to just use she cause I'm, I'm just assume we're talking about women's roller derby, but anyway, yes. so when, when she gets through, she scores a point for everyone whose hips she passes. And then, um, and then the goal is, you know, again, to get through, and then if she can make it, usually they only make it through once, if that, because usually what will happen is once the first jammer gets through, then she'd be like, so the first jammer is generally lead jammer and she's only not lead jammer if she commits some kind of penalty while getting through, but it just kind of, I don't want to get into too much into penalties because there's so many um, and that's always kind of changing. The rules seem to always be changing, but the main thing, as long as she gets through, if she gets through safe and legally, then she becomes lead jammer. So then she's, her goal is to go back around the track, come back through the pack. And it's one of those things that's easier to see it like in person and see the visual of it rather than me explaining it. But, but it would make sense if you could see it. And then that other jammer usually eventually gets through. And then she will also try to get back, you know, she'll also skip the rest of the way around the track and try to come back through the back of the pack. And usually what will happen is the lead jammer will call what's called calling it where she taps her hips several times and then that ends the jam. And so usually they, the lead jammer tries to end the jam before the other jammer can score. Um, the lead jammer can lose lead jammer status if she commits a penalty. Like there's all these other things that can, there's all these little factors that can come up. Um, but then that's the end. Of, then it's called a jam. They're up to two minutes. So if there's, so if for some reason nobody can end the jam, it just keeps going for the whole two minutes but usually they end a lot quicker than two minutes because it's just like basically from the time the first jammer gets through and then by right before that second jammer is about to start scoring, that's when, because you don't want that other jammer to score. Obviously, you want you only want to get all the points. Um, and then there's a total of 60 minutes. There's two 30-minute um, halves. And then that's pretty much um, it. I don't know. Does that Does that cover it? It, it certainly does. Okay. And I, I, I think also I would just recommend that people Google, you know, go check YouTube and look for some, uh, their bouts, right? Is that what yeah, we call the actual game yep. is about? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you could go look at, at some bouts online and I think it'll probably help kind of tie in with your description. Cause it's, it's always hard trying to d- explain something like that, you know, to verbalize it right. versus watching it so i i would recommend everyone just kind of yeah go look for some videos and and you did link a really great video <laughs> from the insomniac show yeah, on, on the yeah, article yeah. that everyone can check out as well yeah. uh so what position did you play 
So I was a blocker. And like I said, I did it more as like recreational than mm-hmm. than competitive. So I was always just kind of the side blocker. I, I mean, we would do, but we would do drills where everybody had to be a jammer. So I would, I was a jammer and practice every now and then. Um, and it's, it's a little terrifying because, you know, everybody's just out there to like try to beat you up so you can't get through. Um, and, but it was, it was fun. And it's something that if I had done it more, maybe eventually I would have probably not jammed because it's, and it's also like a lot of pressure because you're the only one who can score. Like nobody else can score except the jammer. And so if you're not quite scoring those points and that's whatever, I think that's also what like the fans are paying attention to because that's just, there's just so much chaos on the track that it's easier to focus on just that one woman or two women with the stars on their helmets and knowing like, okay, well, once they get through their scoring or something's happening and that's probably, um, and even like, I would sometimes even notice like photographers would seem to focus on them. Like I bout it a couple times. And so I remember like looking at my pictures, like in one bout in particular, I think the pictures of me consist of like my arm in one picture and, (laughs) (laughs) and maybe like my foot and, you know, it's like that I'm, you know, I don't know if it, and at the same time I was like, well, I don't, maybe because I didn't do this a lot, maybe that's, you know, maybe that particular, that particular bout, like they just weren't getting good shots of the, of the, um, of the packs or the blockers or whatever. So Um, yeah, so I didn't really have like, but a lot of jammers would be like, we would have like specific people that that was their role was jamming. And then they would do like, they were even like, I'll say they're even, it even goes so far with Derby is because it's so big nationally and internationally, there are a lot of different, um, um, not seminars, but like workshops that, uh, women can go to. And again, all the other skaters can do these too. Um, where they would have like jammer specific um, workshops and they would have like some jammer from like one of the big teams from, you know, New York or, or the Midwest or wherever. And they would do these workshops and people would, you know, pay money and go. And one of the best ones I did go to um, RollerCon in, uh, in one of the years, like when I was still new to it. And it was just, it was a lot of fun to like meet other skaters from around the country. And I even met one from Germany and, um, and everybody was just like, so, you know, just like pumped and jazzed just to be there. And they had a lot of workshops there too, that were specific, some were specific to jamming, some were specific to blocking. Um, a friend of mine went this year and I was watching some of her, uh, Facebook videos of just like certain jumps and things people were learning how to do. So that was kind of cool too. Cause like even, and they would try to, I mean, so it's like, you wouldn't necessarily have to stay a jammer forever or a blocker forever or whatever. I mean, it was like, but it was also kind of like the jammer was kind of like a lot of people just don't want to do it. And so if you volunteer, then they get you in there. But then that's like that kind of becomes your role. But then they also were pretty good about helping people get um, get those skills that they needed to be able to break through. And again, we would also have drills where we would all have to do skills like what a jammer like and even as blockers, you sometimes have to break through the pack because if you're you know, if you're trying to get your teammate through, then the other blockers are also blocking you because they're on defense, even though you're on offense. And so you're all kind of trying to, (laughs) and that's where it gets a little bit hectic because you're all trying to figure out like, okay, what am I doing now? Where is my jammer? Where is the other jammer? Okay. She's on the bench. Fine. I don't have to worry about her for a minute because she's not on the bench, but in the penalty (laughs) box. Um, Yeah. So it's just kind of a, 
it just kind of depended on what you wanted to do, I guess. But I think, but I don't think a lot of, of the women wanted to really be jammers. Cause like I said, then you kind of become the star and it's, it's very, it's kind of high pressure. Right. So it, it sounds like being a blocker is probably a, a good way to ease yourself in if you're a new player, because there's a little less pressure. Yeah. L- yeah. Less, less spotlight on you. Right. Maybe, maybe almost no spotlight. <laughs> right. Cause I kind of, I'm, if I'm remembering right, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but if I'm remembering it right, I'm pretty sure in Whippet, the Ellen Page character is, um, is that right? Is her, yeah. Ellen Page, her mm-hmm. character is, I'm pretty sure she's a jammer. And I think even in like, there's a TV show that I watched. It's kind of silly, but it's called the Fosters. And that was one of the subplots in the last season was, one of the um one of the or yeah one of the kids wanted to become a roller derby skater and so it's like all focused on her becoming a jammer and I was like well not everybody does the jam yeah it's like being a blocker like you need to know those skills too because that's how you get up your strength and there's a lot of I think I mentioned earlier like you you're still going to be doing some like off skates workouts and there's even um like yeah I can like I said I can talk about roller derby forever I still have my I have an off skates roller derby workout video from this team out of LA and I I haven't done it in a while but I'll still break it out sometimes there's some really good like different workout moves in that um but yeah because you're and you're also like you know you're getting like muscle memory to figure out like how to skate and how to stay up on your skates and you're getting like you have to do all these exercises for balance um so there's kind of a lot of different things you're doing and so if you can do all those if you get all those you know, skills and strengths, then that helps to be a blocker. And then the better you get at doing that. But some people are also just like natural born, like they're, especially like we had a few on our league that were speed skaters. So they were pretty much automatically going to be jammers because a lot of it is speed and being able to stay up and take a hit and give a hit sometimes because the jammers sometimes will hit um, blockers or other jammers when they're getting through the pack. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, blocker is a good way to get started. But if you're already a fast skater or you're, and a lot of jammers are tend to be smaller too, cause they can like kind of sneak through the pack. So if you're maybe a little smaller and you can sneak through people and still stay upright. Cause, I'll, but the thing is if you're smaller and like a bigger skater knocks you out, well then <laughs> there you go. <laughs> then you're, then you're in the pack or then you're in the crowd. Right. Then you're like right. not even on the track anymore and you have to pick yourself up and, and kind of, you know, start over. So, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's good times. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about the misconceptions because I, I think that a lot of people are kind of assuming that roller derby is a certain way and, and, you know, kind of leading into the article that you wrote, um, that there was, there was kind of a different version of it. I think this was back in the seventies, but it's, it kind of came out with a fresher, better version almost um so like talk to us about like some of the stereotypes and and things that have that are not what people tend to think they are sure so back so back in the day so yeah so that um insomniac video i love it and it's also like not that even has some of the of the stereotypes in it so back then um and and for a little while after that like there were a lot of teams that would have like schoolgirl uniform outfits or just other kind of like now looking at it's like that's just so impractical and like a lot of people back then and even until kind of recently would wear like fishnets when they were skating or like short skirts or whatever and that's fine like I don't have any issue with that myself um 
but it's become more and more of um of wanting to be seen as athletes not as just like girls trying to get attention or whatever you know whatever that misconception mm-hmm. would have been which i and i never like i'm pretty pretty feminist i would have i never saw it that way i was just like yeah if women want to wear fishnets and short skirts and skate around a track and that's cool you know good for you know good for them and i was like right there with them you know i was part of that too when when i was starting out I think we all, you know, all were, even when we'd be in parade, and even still, I guess some of us, even when we're, like, if we do parades or whatever, uh, I mean, I say us, even though I'm not active anymore, but, you know, like, a lot of my uh, um, former teammates, they'll wear, like, fishnets or, you know, they'll wear, like, tutus or crazy wigs or whatever when they go, um, when they go to, like, public events and stuff for, to promote the league, but, um, but, yeah, so that's not really a thing anymore now, it's pretty athletic, and it's not, you know, it's not so it's as flashy as it used to be, I guess. Um, there's still even the even the names that's changed a lot over the years. Like it used to be everybody had their derby name. Um, but now a lot of people are going by their regular names. Um, and I think that goes along with the trying to be seen as athletes versus some sort of novelty, I guess. Um, but some people still have their derby name. So it's not I'm not saying like everybody's gotten rid of it or there's been any I don't think as far as I know, there's no rule that you have to go by your real name. Um, and there were some issues with the derby names too, that would come up, but the real names thing I think is just, and I sometimes think too, like if I ever went back, which I don't, I don't think I would, but, but if somehow I, I decided to go back, I might just skate under my last name and just call it a day. Cause sometimes it's, it's a little easier, but I still have people who call me by my derby name. So I don't know. Um, and then there's also just like, oh, well, then, I have to, I have to interrupt. What oh. was your derby name? So I had two derby names throughout derby. And I, I mentioned that because I like my first name so much better. Um, but the second name is what I had most of the time. So my first derby name was Zelda Fitzgerald after Zelda Fitzgerald, <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald's you know, <laughs> wife, who's awesome. Yes. And I was so excited because I'm a writer and my number was like 1920 or something like that. Oh, wow. And I, awesome. and I had all these, I think somewhere still in all my stuff, I have a t-shirt or something that still says Zelda on the back. And a couple people still call me Zelda, um, people that were skating at that point and then left or whatever before I changed my name. But like right before I went to RollerCon, and so back then you had to register it with this, um, this online database and they would compare your name to all the other registered names. And my one, mine was similar enough to someone who I would argue isn't as similar, but I won't say what it is because it's a little bit offensive what their actual name, what their other name was. Um, and it was also a league where we would never skate against them. It was a league that was like in the South and, you know, just not, it just, and again, I wasn't even competitive. So it's kind of like, why do I have to register my name in the first place? Well, anyway, so I got what's called name rejected or whatever. And I was really sad about that because I'd already like signed up for RollerCon and I just got my badge that had my, you know, my Zelda name on it. And I was all excited and then I got name rejected. So then a couple of friends and I were like, well, what would be another good name? And so I was like, well, I like Spain. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not Spanish, but I like Spain. I like the art. I like the culture. And I because I was thinking of names like some play on like Salvador Dali or Picasso or whatever. And now I think about it. I'm like, oh, that might have been problematic now that I <laughs> I don't know, you know, <laughs> but back then I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be cool because I like Spanish, whatever. And and so um and I was actually like, I went as a bullfighter for Halloween one year and a friend, and I'm definitely like pro bull in those situations. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying like I condone bullfighting, but I just, but that was my costume. And my, um, sure. 
And a friend of mine on the league was like, hey, how about Pamplona pain? And I was like, huh, that's that's not bad. And so that's, I just, I don't know, I had to change it to something. So that's what I went with. And then I still have people who call me Pam. Um, cause you kind of, then you get, cause you get your derby name and then you get a nickname. And so I was Pam, like there are other people in the league that would just go by like their initials of their derby name, you know? So it's kind of a, uh, fun, whatever. And then, um, and my number was OL3. So it kind of looks like Olay. So I don't know. So it was fun. And, but people, but then like, for some reason, it was kind of like we were talking about last time. I think it was before we got even on this interview, like people don't get it at first. And I'm just like, it shouldn't, it's not really a thinker, you guys. Like, it's just Pamplona, Spain, like running of the bulls. Right. right. Have you not heard of that? <laughs> I don't know. And um, and then they'd be like, Pam, what? And then if, I mean, if they saw it spelled out, I think they kind of, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there was some sort of cultural issue that people, did. anyway, so that was always a little frustrating. I don't know that not everybody would have gotten Zelda hits Gerald either, but at least true, that is like, true. A, at least Zelda is a pretty, pretty awesome name. But yeah. Yeah. And it, with a great pun in the middle with the hits. Yeah, yeah. So I had some, but I had pain in the name. And then at some point we had like several other people in the league who were also pain related names. And I was, so that, but they were, you know, again, I wasn't competitive. So I didn't, that didn't really get to me. Like I just had a bunch of shirts and jerseys that say Pamplona Pain. And it's like, when am I going to, what am I going to do with this stuff? Um, <laughs> but anyway, but yes, yeah, so that was my, that was my uh, derby name. Love it. Um, yes, I, I didn't mean to interrupt on that. Oh, I no, just I, I was I was so interested to know what that what it was. And when you mentioned, I'm like, well, I was going to ask. Anyways, yeah, as but, soon as I um, mentioned it, I was like, oh, the question is coming. Here it comes. <laughs> you knew it was. Yeah. You knew it was. But um, kind of backtracking to when we were talking about the misconceptions. and oh, stuff. Sure, sure. I, I was I was thinking about um, when you were talking about the uh, the costuming and the uniforms, mm-hmm. it it seems like it's kind of evolved from more about the appearance into more about the practicality, right? The functionality yes. of being able to yeah. perform as exactly. an athlete, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I um yeah, I noticed that because even in that um that insomniac video, they they were still in lots of fishnets and stuff. And you know, I, I'm all for you do you mm-hmm. all the way. Mm-hmm. But I, I too was thinking, um, it looks like such a challenging sport and I, I oh, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it absolutely is. And I'm thinking the last thing I would want to do is be dressed uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I would want to be in like full, like, I don't know, maybe some yoga pants or something like that. Yeah. Something and that's like what easier. people, yeah. And like now that's mostly what it is. Yeah. Like yoga pants or yoga shorts. Cause it gets hot too. Like some, of, like I was yeah. saying, like every venue is different. Some don't have air conditioning and it's like middle of July. So, wow. or you're in like a state that's perpetually hot all yeah, like probably Florida, I'm sure the leagues there Ooh. would have like breathable, you know, fabrics or whatever. And plus you're always, yeah. you're, and like I mentioned earlier, you're always wearing knee pads, elbow pads, wrist guards, helmet. And so you're always going to be just hot from all the gear. Yeah. So yeah. So adding, so yeah, wearing like a, a plaid skirt and fishnets is not, yeah, it's not exactly practical but again like that's just kind of what we were all doing you know for a long time and so it wasn't really I don't know I think it wasn't a really huge deal but then also like at some point um and I think all along it was meant to be now the Asomniac video is again that's like an old that's kind of maybe the old school version of the new roller derby where and it was like in the middle of the night too that was it's like in a warehouse so maybe even was like a Mm -hmm. 21 plus venue um but one of the other uh, misconceptions is it's like it's crass or crude or whatever. Like it's very family friendly. 
that was something we would always emphasize. Like, again, I was on the marketing PR committee. That was always something we would try to emphasize with, um, with our marketing because for a long time we were, our main venue was in a suburb of Indianapolis and we were trying to get not just our friends who lived in the different urban neighborhoods that we already, you know, knew, but we were trying to get people who live close to the venue to come out. And that would include a lot of people, you know, a lot of, um, young, uh, young, ki- young kids, not, maybe not super young because it's, it's very loud because you have like music blasting and the announcers and, and, and whatever. But, um, but we were trying to get, you know, like various ages and, and again, it's very family friendly. It's very, um, affordable entertainment. And so if you want to take your kids or whatever, it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And, and we would even have like, if a league came where one of the skaters had a name that was kind of, questionable or and or inappropriate um even in the program they would like kind of censor the name in some way to make it again family friendly or at least appropriate to families and then when the announcers would say that skaters like i can't think of an example off the top of my head or now nope i just thought of one but i won't say it (laughs) (laughs) but i won't say it on on this podcast but um but yeah but they did have definitely um so if there was like an inappropriate name they would kind of like shift it enough so that it would still you know so like if so if a parent heard that name they would be like oh goodness like why would they say that you know like that's that's mm-hmm. that's horrible right. or whatever maybe the, or maybe the parent would probably actually think it was funny but they wouldn't want their kid to like go home and start repeating you know whatever right um yeah so um but yeah so that's another thing I'm trying to think what else um I did oh it's not staged like I think a lot of people now and that again going back to the insomniac video that might not be the best example because when I rewatched it for writing that article because I hadn't watched it in years and when I rewatched it I was like you know what I wonder because there's like a couple fights in it I'm like I wonder if that was on purpose like I because it just looked like suddenly like both leagues were just like beating the crap out of each other and I'm like I yeah, never felt a little scripted yeah like I yeah. never saw that happen in all the and I've been I've been to several bouts and several cities and around the midwest and i've never seen that take place um so back then they probably had some of that uh some of the scripted stuff but um but it's not like pro wrestling where it's well i guess whoever (laughs) whichever way you want to believe but it's usually there's some there's some kind of something going on there um Mm -hmm. that's not not like not 100 percent authentic um but yeah but no that's not scripted so if somebody knock somebody out that's real the injuries are real like I asked a friend I texted a friend earlier to see if she had anything she thought I you know I should I should touch on she's like oh yeah the the injuries are real I was like yeah that no that's true like if someone goes off if someone limps off the side they may have actually broken a leg or something and that it didn't happen a lot like I I I mean I'll probably just about every bout something would happen but it was usually just someone getting the wind knocked out of them or something like that or maybe a twisted ankle um, but every once in a while there'd be, you know, like a broken bone or a broken rib or some, you know, or busted up face or whatever. Um, even though you have the padding, it's not, it's not like a hundred percent, you're not like in a bubble, you're still out there. Right. Um, but like football would be similar, you know, like football players get injured all the time. So it's, it's a contact sport. It's going to have some, some injuries. Um, I'm trying to think there was another thing that just made me think of. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of the main things is that, yeah, it's definitely when you go, oh, and you, and there are rules, like you can't elbow somebody in the face and not get 
either ejected from the game altogether or serve extra time in the penalty box. Um, that happened. And I think anybody who's seen whip it, that happens. I think there's a move they do where they all just like stop short and elbow the people behind them. Um, you can't do that. <laughs> like that's not, there's definitely like a contact. There's like a zone of, I don't remember what they call it, but it's like a zone where it's okay. And it's basically between knees and, um, and shoulders. So you can't like punch somebody in the face. You can't trip them with your skate you know, I guess you could if you could get a, if you figure out a way to get away with it, but you really aren't supposed to do. I mean, it's contact, but it's contact legal. You know, you have to do it legally um, within the rules. And then, um, um, yeah, I think that's I think that covers most of the mis. I'm sure there's more. I'm just not even thinking of that. But- that's a that's a good selection. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that, and I think that honestly is probably the bulk of anything that people might be making assumptions on. Um, And I mean, I can, I can, you know, speaking for myself, um, I always just saw the, I always thought, oh, it's costumey Mm -hmm. and it's violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kept thinking it was, it was much more physically violent, but um, with the way you're explaining it, it sounds more like as long as you're following like the proper code of conduct, if you're, if you're playing on the up and up, it's not nearly as violent as, the the way it's been portrayed right i mean it can still be it can still be kind of like i've seen clips where there's one clip i'm thinking of i wish i could remember what the the best skater name like it's like oh beyond slay i think this is i think that was yeah (laughs) that's great and she's just got a kind of a booty on her and there's a i can't remember what the other i wish i could remember the other skater's name i'm kind of i kind of remember half of this other skater's name but i can't remember what the full name was but it was beyond, I'm pretty sure it's beyond, if you look up like Beyond Slay on YouTube, and I would look it up, but I'm afraid I'll like mess up the the podcast thing. Um, she knocks out the skater with like one quick move, and it looks terrifying. Like because that skater like kind of flies for a second or two, and oh, then wow. and then falls. I mean, she's okay I, as far as I remember. She was okay, but it's just like so it can. There are moments, uh, and again, it's but it's like football. Like you see, you know, people bump into each other and at high speeds because skating can be pretty, you know, can get pretty fast. And if someone is positioned just the right way, but then that's also part of the drills and the um, and the training you do is to avoid that kind of, you know, like to see it coming and to avoid injuries. And you know, and like, and I think I'm and I, I'm remembering that clip because I think she did get some criticism maybe saying that was a little excessive the way she did what she did. But at the same time, it's just like, but I'm pretty sure it was in the rules. Like, I don't think she got, if she got evicted for, or ejected for that, it, I, I don't know if that's fair to her, you know, cause she's just playing the, the sport and that's kind mm-hmm. of part of, yeah. Cause like you, and you learn how to hit, you learn how to take hits. Um, we would have boot camp, even in the boot camps in the beginning, like when you're first starting out, um, so I think, cause I remember hearing, like I did listen to the, um, the podcast, the gals guy podcast from about sports and that came up as far as like, um, you know, people are like, Oh, I haven't like, I don't remember if it was you or one of the other uh, women on that, but like, if you haven't been on skates in a while, that part isn't the, that's not really the hard part. Like getting back on skates was like, I, cause I thought it would be hard cause I hadn't been on skates since I was like in my teens. But when I was skating again, it it was like actually like it felt pretty natural. I I mean I was also wearing a ton of padding because everybody does when they're you know on their 
and roller derby or it's required or whatever. But, um, but I was doing, you know, all kinds of like falls and hits and everything. And I felt like, oh, this is going pretty well. But again, the, but, but like we, like I said, just said, the injuries are real. And so, but, so when you see somebody fall and actually get hurt, even in a practice, in a practice scenario, that's where you get a little nervous that <laughs> that could be, that could be me. Like I could fall and I didn't have, I was lucky. Um, I never had any serious injuries. The worst thing that I remember was I, like, I, I probably twisted my ankle a couple of times, but I was also like, well, I'll just buy like an ankle brace at CVS and, and wear it to the next <laughs> practice. And a lot of us, I mean, not, and it wasn't just me that would do that. You know, like, I think, I don't think anyone said that, like, Hey, just get an ankle brace. You'll be fine. But I remember, but I probably, I probably saw other girls, you know, or other women skating with ankle braces or extra knee pads or, you know, or not extra knee pads, but like you can get what they're called, um, knee gaskets and they kind of hold your kneecap in place. I was skating with those at one, at some point. And so, yeah, so it's just kind of like, it's, you know, it's a mental toughness, it's physical toughness. Um, and you, you're doing all these workouts. So like, I, I mean, I definitely was getting stronger when I was doing it. I think most of my um, my other, um, teammates were as well, but, but yeah, but there's, yeah, so it's a contact sport, but, but you're right. It's not as violent. Like you, again, you can't like just punch somebody in the face and there are clips of that too from bouts. Um, and those usually a lot of people get really upset about it. Cause, and it's also like as skaters or, you know, as even, or whoever, whatever your, um, participation level is with the sport, you want people like you don't want them to have those misconceptions, right? Like you don't want people to say like, well, I'm not taking my kids too violent or, Oh, I don't want my kid to see some woman in a really short skirt or whatever. And I even had like one time, um, someone I'm not in touch with anymore. So I don't know if she'd ever listen to this, but I had a friend who we were talking. She's like, Oh, I went to roller derby. And I think it was the other league. I don't think it was my league, but, but a league in town. And she was like all excited about this again. This is so long. It was several years ago. And she was like all excited about it, except she made some comment about the how certain women shouldn't have been wearing certain outfits, like basically insinuating they were overweight. And I was I remember like I had a visceral reaction to that because like to me, roller derby is also one of the most or I think at least tries to be one of the most body positive sports, too, for Mm -hmm. women, because you can be if you're big, that's an asset because that means you're probably going to be a good blocker and you're probably going to be able to knock out people that a smaller person might not, you know, it'll, they might be able to do it, but it'll be more effort and it'll be, you know, just like not their skill set or whatever. And if you're a smaller skater, you might be a really good jammer because you might be able to like kind of slip through and sneak through the pack to get, you know, to score points. Um, If you're somewhere in the middle, that's fine too. Like it's not like I never felt that my, teammates were judgy or judge you know or being judged um I think that's something too it's like we're all kind of in this together that's I mean that's another reason why I joined it was it was kind of I saw it kind of as like a feminist movement in a way um but then when I'd hear something like that even though she was just an audience member it wasn't like she's in the league or joining the league or anything I just remember being very like I felt upset <laughs> I was like yeah Wait. I was like but no and again like this was a long time ago but it wasn't so long ago that and it was another woman saying it and I just was really Mm -hmm. like it just made me really sad and like how do you but these women are awesome like they're kicking ass out there you know like they're right they're doing they're like they're playing this sport and like you said it's not easy it's very um 
you know, it's not, it's not necessarily hard to learn it, but it's like, it's not easy to get into it, to have the time, to have the, um, the energy and, and whatever to do it. And so, um, but yeah. And so I'd say maybe that's like, I don't know if that's necessarily one of the misconceptions, but it's definitely something I want people to realize. And it's also become, I think I'm, I, I mentioned this article too. It's also, um, it's also very like friendly to all genders on the spectrum. So there's like the men's mm-hmm. league, the women's league, and recently WIFTA, maybe in the last, it's, I mean, not super recently, but in the last few years, they have a, um, they issued a statement about skaters who are trans. And that's mm-hmm. also like, I don't know any other sport that has that. I mean, maybe there are some, but it's rare. It'd be hard to I find. doubt it. I doubt yeah. it. Yeah. And that yeah. was, and that was a response to, um, to the membership and what they were wanting out of, you know, out of the sport. And so that's, mm-hmm. so that's like another kind of, thing that I think is pretty awesome is that people on Derby are for the most part, not everybody, but for the most part are pretty inclusive and welcoming um, to new people. And that's the other thing, like when you join, like a lot of leagues will do, and I keep referring boot camps, which is basically just like the, you know, you show up and you learn how to skate and, or and see if it's for you. Cause sometimes, you know, if you don't want to like now there's so many different ways to get the gear that you can borrow. A lot of leagues have gear that you can borrow to try before you, uh, make the investment like my friend and I did so many years ago. So you can, um, you go to these boot camps and see, and that's, but I, when I was doing it, like everybody was very welcoming. Um, I felt it was like, I, I think I mentioned this article too. Like it's, I felt very, um, connected to a lot of the women. And sometimes it was just, we we're just connected because we were physically connected because we were connected to do different drills because there's lots of contact. So you, that's a big part of it. Like, even if you're not hitting each other, you're still, you know, skating in close proximity to strangers and that can get, if you're not okay with that, then that's maybe not the sport for you. Um, and that was kind of surprising to me. I was like, Oh wait, I'm just starting. Okay. Well now I'm hip to hip with some woman I just met two minutes ago. Okay. (laughs) Or somebody's like grabbing my hips to do hip whips or somebody's grabbing my hand to like lead me around the track or whatever, you know? And so it's kind of a different, um, experience and a lot of, you know, a lot of sports or whatever, I guess. But, um, but yeah, but it's just, uh, I don't know where I was actually trying to go with that thought, but yeah, but it's just a different, it's, there's so many things that are just different about it. Oh, but everybody seemed very like warm and welcoming. And I think for various reasons, if that's not you, I think people who aren't that, they just either kind of fall away from it and they, you know, it's just not for them. Um, and I'm still in touch with a lot of my derby teammates, even though, again, I just did it for recreation, but I'm still like friends with them. I've gotten jobs. I've helped people get jobs. Like, all these kind of side benefits to it that I didn't join it for those reasons, but ultimately it was nice that those, that that happened. And, um, and that's even something like I've talked to friends, like friends who've moved away from Indianapolis who were on, you know, who are active in the league, they ended up joining leagues in other cities and now they're all like, they're superstars for those leagues and they're still with, you know, so it's like, it's also one of those things, kind of this universal thing. Like I met, um, like maybe a year or so ago, I was talking to some, um, it's like, it's gonna, it's gonna seem weird, but it'll make sense in a minute. Um, improv people I know, and they are with one of the improv troops in town. And it's one that has like a national, um, I don't know if, I don't know exactly how they would describe it with their franchises or whatever, but they were saying like, oh yeah, when we travel to their cities, we know we have like instant friendship. Like we can stay with them. We can, 
you know, do their improv stuff. We can go on stage with them and do improv. And if they come to Indianapolis, they stay on our couches or they do improv on our stage. And that's kind of how roller derby is. Like people will go, you know, just travel for a vacation and end up in another city. And if that city had a roller league team, a roller derby league, they would, um, they would skate, you know, they'd go to their practices and skate with them. They wouldn't bat with them necessarily because that's a whole different thing. But they would go and they'd still be able to, you know, like go to their practice or, or just hang out with them. And then, or just go to, like, I, when I travel out of town, if there's a bout going on, I try to go, um, because it's something you're familiar with. And it's, again, like the same rules pretty much and the same, um, a lot of the same, I don't want to say values, like, I'm not going to go that far with it, but, but, you know, it's just like, you have this kind of sense of like, ah, my people, like this is camaraderie. (laughs) Yeah. Camaraderie. Exactly. Yeah. And you can talk to people. Like I, obviously I'm a talker. I've been talking for a, a while here. Um, but I like, like if I go to about by myself, like I don't have any problem if like, if somebody is there who has never been to about before, I'll explain the best I can. Like I said earlier, like the rules change all the time. So there's probably some rules I'm not even thinking of, but the, but the general basic concept is still there. Um, and so I might explain to like some random couple like, Hey, oh yeah, that's the jammer. And she's going to score by going around. And usually by the second or third jam, they get it. And I don't, it's like, I'm explaining it all night. But then they might say, like, oh, why did she go to the penalty box? And then I'll try to explain, like, well, there's these penalties, and it could have been this, this, or this, but it's probably this. Or, oh, I didn't see it, but I'm sure the ref saw something they didn't like, and that's why it happened that way. Um, Or if I'm just – or if I see somebody with, like, a roller derby shirt, like, this hasn't happened in a long time, but I'm sure – I. but I could tell you, like, if I saw someone with a derby shirt in public, I'd probably be like, oh, hey, are you from so-and-so? Okay. <laughs> like, you sk- <laughs> did you skate with them? Oh, you just go to the bats? Oh, awesome. You know, like, I, you know, it's, it's like, I don't think it's as underground as it once was or used to be or whatever, but, um, but I think it's definitely, like, a still kind of a small community, but I think it's, it should, you know, anybody who wants to learn more about it should be able to, um, to access it. Well, and, and I love what you were saying about the inclusiveness of it, that it's, it's for all shapes and sizes mm-hmm. and there, there's, there's a, a role for everybody. And, um, you know, ki- kind of going back to the, the comment that you heard from the, the spectator, it's, uh, it's one of those things that it, it stings, but I think it's, um, I think it's, it's special that the leagues themselves are, are inclusive and open to everybody who wants to be a part of it. And because there is a, a use and a purpose for all shapes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's what I think makes this very unique and that you guys have a really good team spirit and it's, you know, I'm sure there's probably a healthy amount of competition amongst other teams. I'm sure it's not, uh, you know, kind of like the, the, the wrestling where they act, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> their uh their scripted anger yeah, and disgust yeah. with one another um yeah i like that so um as far as competitions go uh are there is there a certain sort of championship or or like like, like what is your version of like the super bowl if you guys even have anything like that yeah so that's that's actually very good it's kind of a controversial subject so i'll try to stay away from the controversy okay. of it i'll tell you maybe after the interview i'll tell you why it's controversial. sounds good but um, but yeah, so WIFTA is the Women's Flat Track Roller Derby Association. That's kind of like the NFL of derby. Um, it's international, so it's all women's flat track leagues. And I say flat track because like, that's that's another misconception that it's on a bank track. Bank mm-hmm. track is some. There are leagues that do bank track in uh, 
in this day and age. Um, and that's what the, what they would do in like the older Derby, um, that you were talking about, like from the seventies and earlier. Um, but the flat track, um, women's flat track Derby association. So they have rankings and you move up and down in the rankings based on certain, um, you know, teams that you play against and how you do. And there's a whole, there's a whole, I don't know, it takes too long to explain the whole thing. And I don't even remember the whole thing, but, um, but they're ranked throughout the year. And then I don't remember when they announced it. I think I want to say sometime in the late spring, early summer, they announce the leagues that'll go on to the various, um, I'm trying to remember what there is again. It keeps changing, but it's like they, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I guess playoff. We'll call it playoffs. That's the easiest way to say it. Okay. Um, because it's, it's I think there's another name that's kind of like specific to Derby, but playoff. It's basically playoffs, and they have you know brackets and they have these different, um, yeah, like championship um places at different venues around. Now it's around the world. It used to be just around the U.S. And then the leagues are told, okay, you're ranked X. You're gonna play at Y venue in in z city or whatever and so then they have these um playoffs and then there's like at the end there's championships and kind of the interesting thing too uh one thing i did want to um mention is that they roller derby has actually been on espn now not i don't think the main espn and i kind of joke it's like uh dodgeball the es espn the yes. ocho <laughs> <laughs> it's like espn yeah. three or something but it's like i'm always like the ocho like I feel like that's what we're at right now, um, but they're but they've been on ESPN before. I don't know if they're going to be on it um, this year because it's coming up pretty soon. The the playoff whatever it's usually because those are like late summer, early fall, maybe even to late fall. So anyone listening to this, like totally fact check what I'm saying because don't don't rely on it because I I haven't I haven't like looked it up in a while. Um, but anyway, but then yeah, and so then it like so that also affects your rankings, and then like whoever wins is the big winner, and it's usually like. Um, in the past, there's a team in Portland, the um, uh, Rose City. They win. They've won before. I think I'm pretty sure. Um, there's like a, a Texas league that usually does really well, and that's not surprising since the whole thing kind of got its resurgence um, out of Texas. There's a New York team, so it's usually the bigger teams. Um, but I think our, um, but that's sometimes surprising because sometimes there are these leagues that no one's ever heard of and then they do really well in the playoffs and in the championships. So, um, cause yeah, it's kind of like their teams, like there was one year I actually went, they had it in, um, Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is only like two hours from where I live. And I went with a couple of my teammates and, um, and it was pretty cool cause there was like the Montreal league was there. So of course I bought one of their t-shirts and I still wear it to bed all the time. Um, there was the London league was there or a team from London. I think London has a couple of teams now. Um, there's a, I don't know, just teams from like all over the country. So it was pretty cool to be able to see them when I would normally have to travel pretty far away to, to see, to catch them. And then also seeing like their announcers, their mascots, like, cause yeah, these kind of all become their own little, you know, little subcultures or whatever you want to call it. Um, that you normally don't get to see unless you go to about, and that's another reason to go to about is they're really fun. Like they have, Again, with the family friendly thing, like a lot of a lot of leagues, I don't know that the leagues in Indy have mascots, but um, leagues, other leagues I've been to have had mascots, and the mascots kind of do cute little stuff at like the halftime or whatever. I mean, not maybe not cute, but you know, like they do. Like sometimes they'll have a halftime show. I don't know. Like some leagues don't really do that anymore because it kind of 
isn't they just don't have time or they'll do like they might have a game or whatever but um but yeah so that's kind of yeah that's kind of like the world series or whatever of derby is they have or super bowl or whatever you want to call it is they do have these playoffs um but like i said well and i'll kind of briefly mention like this year the controversy is now they're doing them in kind of far off places where before most of them were in the u.s but now that there are so many international leagues which has been, I think, I think in an effort to cater more to those international leagues, they're doing more international championship um, tournaments. And I think a lot of leagues just couldn't afford to travel internationally for those, um, for those tournaments, if that makes sense. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, because again, like I was saying earlier, like as a skater, you're paying for, you're paying your dues, you're paying for your skates and your wheels and all that stuff. You're paying for your uniforms you're paying to rent a space. You're paying for any if you have any injuries that you have to recover from, or if you have right. to buy, or like I said, like if you're buying like ace bandages or wrist or um, ankle braces from CVS, you're paying for those are coming out of your own money. So, um, so yeah, so a lot of leagues just couldn't afford it, and I can't remember what the number is. I mean, it's it's I'm sure it's somewhere out there, but um, and because those leagues couldn't afford it, then other leagues that may have stayed in the U.S. to for their um, for their tournaments, then they would have been traveling internationally. And then like those leagues couldn't, you know, so it's kind of this, and this, and I don't know how many years that's happened. Um, I think this year was kind of new. They were trying a couple different new international venues. Um, but yeah, so that's, so it's kind of sad too. Cause it's like, well, this isn't really, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the solution would be. And I, again, I doubt anybody from WIFT will be listening to this, but I mean, it could just be like maybe you just focus on like the European teams have a European whatever, American teams have their American whatever, South America has whatever, or I guess I should say North America should have something, South America should have something, right? Australia has some leagues, but even the Australian leagues and like leagues in Japan and Asia, like they, I've seen messages where they're like, you know, we have to travel so far just for a regular bout. How are we going to afford to travel to? Like from Australia to I don't know where they're playing, but I just hypothetically they could be traveling to like Texas, and that's kind of far and expensive, to, you know. And right, right. Um, and then there's also well, and then I say that, and there's also like the I don't remember if they're called the World Championships. That's like a different thing where there is like a USA team, and each country has a team. So it's like the Olympics. But I don't think they call it the Olympics, but it's sort of like that, where each country has a league or has a team, and then they all play each other. Um, and I don't remember where, or when that happens, but that's something that's come up before too. And that might've been on, if it wasn't broadcast on TV, it was, the, and most of these are broadcast on, um, internet channels you can either pay for, they used to have a free one. Um, but then like once they realized people were willing to pay, then they started charging. And then when they started charging this, the, the streaming was really bad. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I've paid for, like, I've paid a couple of times where I'm like, Oh, I just really want to see like one or two leagues that I normally wouldn't see, you know, so I'm like, I'll pay like 10 bucks for the weekend pass, whatever. And then the streaming is so bad. And Derby is such a fast paced sport that if the streaming goes out for like even a second or two, you're going to miss something, you know, like you're going to miss scores. You're going to miss an injury. You're going to miss a, you know, anything. Cause it's just, again, it's fast paced. So anything could happen. It's like, I mean, if you're watching a basketball game, it'd be the same thing. Like, if you're watching a basketball game, the feed cuts out for a couple of seconds. You could totally miss a three pointer or an injury sure. or, you know, or whatever. And so that would get frustrating real fast. Um, 
And so I, that's, it's been several years. Like now I, I think now it's like, probably I'm, I'm a, I'm a person who enjoys sports live. I don't really watch them on TV. I just can't really, I think I just lack the uh, attention span anymore for that. Um, but if it's live, like I love, um, I mean, I like other sports too, but I love watching roller derby live. Cause again, it's just, it's fast and you're, there's always something happening that is, uh, is is in, is like kind of sort of important to what's going on for the whole thing. Right. Yeah, and I I think it's important for for those of us who are new to this to remember that, you know, you're not getting paid like an NFL player. Right. You're paying you're paying to play. Right. Essentially, you know, and that's the complete opposite of what, you know, people think about with athletes. It's like, ooh, athletes, like how how awesome. Like they get these big multi-million dollar contracts and sponsorships and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're, you know, you're shelling out for everything. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I can see that that's gotta be really tough trying to because it feels like you you want to have that again that inclusiveness of like hey like we can go out and be international and meet up with you know teams from other countries but then you do have that barrier of the finances so yeah that's that's definitely a tough one um i couldn't imagine what a good solution would be but um no i think you're onto something with you know maybe just continental yeah <laughs> and then maybe of, like um, every now and then have some you know like uh yeah so I don't I don't know what the solution is but and I think they're I mean I think they're aware it's an issue so I think they're especially this year having so many leagues that were like we just can't swing it like we can't afford it and like a local league in town there was a the alternative weekly here did a story about it how um I can't remember exactly how they worded it so I don't want to like miss misrepresent it or whatever but it was definitely um I know they weren't happy about it because I think they would have liked to travel close enough that they could and they have like they were um they've competed at least in the u.s and canada several times in those tournaments and they even hosted it a few years ago so they're good and it's just like so now they're not going to know how they you know how they actually match up to some of these other teams but they're also like you know we can't justify paying all this money to travel to another country if needed um yeah so yeah it's kind of and every and the other thing too to keep in mind is like we are like the thing I hate, <laughs> this is like my biggest pet peeve about Derby. Um, so I don't know if you've already like kind of written how you're going to do it. Maybe, and I, I don't think this, I don't think you would do it this way, but it's the whole trope of librarian by day and roller girl by night. Cause it's kind of mm. like, no, yes. you're, if you're doing roller derby, like you're, you're a roller derby skate, like you're a roller derby player day, night, whatever. And if you're a librarian during the day, well, you're still a librarian for your, like career you know like it's kind of a but that was a big like almost every article and even still I'll see it and when I see it I share it with my (laughs) derby friends that used to do derby PR because we're like oh like we all just cringe because we're like that is like and it's kind of sexist because it's always like if there was like a man who was successful at not maybe roller derby they probably do the same way but you know if there was like a man successful at some sport somehow who had a day job they wouldn't refer to him as oh banker by day <laughs> you know like i don't know right basketball right. player by night like no that wouldn't and they'd probably be in the and if they were really good they'd probably be in an nba making big bu- big bucks doing it that way um, exactly but yeah but like with uh with derby there's a lot of that like i don't know but but at the same time there are like i think just about every derby skater i've met has a day job or some sort of job that they're doing and that's another thing they have to balance is like if they 
Like if you have a job where you work Saturday nights, you can't do derby because that's when they do bouts usually. And some leagues do them Sunday, some do them Friday. You know, it just kind of depends. But you like my leagues, you know, like the leagues in Indianapolis, they're Saturday night bouts. So you have to like unless you can take that night off from work or day off if you have some kind of job where you're exhausted by the end of it, and you're you're not going to be able to have the stamina to play a full bout. Um, or if you have a job where you work nights and the practices are usually at night. Or, you know, like there's other things that come up. Like one thing that came up with my league a lot was um, they tried to have earlier practices and earlier as in like 630 to 830 on weeknights um, or around that time or six to eight or whatever it was, because they wanted like if they had um, skaters that had families, they wanted their skaters to be able to get home to like help take care of their kids. And so that would come up sometimes because sometimes skaters like myself who didn't have kids would be like, why can't we just do a later practice? Because I was always rushed. I mean, we all were just like, felt like we were just always like rushing, like to get home from work, change, or maybe not even go home, like just change at the office and then go right to whatever. And like I said earlier, there's all these different practice spaces around town. And so just kind of depending on how far you had to travel. And then also you have to like make sure you have like a water bottle or a snack so you don't pass out or whatever. And so it's just like a lot of um, a lot of this other stuff going on because you're juggling your work and maybe a family or maybe some other, you know, side gig you have or whatever your whatever's going on in your life. Or if you have dogs, you have to let your dogs out before you go to practice. You know, it's like, right. Um, so there's a lot of that too. And then we also like, and I mentioned travel, like a lot of, a lot of leagues still do travel even just to go just for a regular home, like a regular, um, season bout and so that's like that can add up but usually like my the league I skated with they didn't usually travel that like they always as far as I remember they always traveled at least driving distance so maybe they would travel maybe I mean driving distance could be like six eight hours for a tournament or 10 hours or whatever they had a couple far away kind of far away midwestern um, tournaments they'd go to but but generally bouts would be within a few hours and that was kind of like I and that was something as a PR marketing person I appreciated because it's like, okay, well, we could like market that to our home fans. Like, oh, Louisville's two hours away. We're skating in Louisville or Cincinnati's like an hour and a half or Fort Wayne is two hours or whatever. And so I always appreciated when they had some kind of closer ones to see if, I mean, I don't know if the fans would, would be willing to travel two hours for like about two hours away, but maybe, and I did. I mean, I would go to, cause I mean, I was also part of the team, but I would go like to Louisville or Cincinnati or um, I don't remember the far, uh, Bloomington. I don't know. There are different cities in, in Indiana where we would travel. And um, but then if they traveled farther away, then they'd have to get a hotel and stay the night. And that's a whole other thing. You know, it's just like it all kind of adds up. But we didn't have like we didn't have a league bus <laughs> that we could, you mm-hmm. know, and the league would pay for part of it if we if they could, because sometimes like as part of the contracts, the other leagues would pay a stipend or whatever, you know, to help pay for gas or whatever. But yeah, there was all kinds of other, and that was another reason I think I didn't really um, get super into it because I knew like that was one of the rules is if you got rostered that you'd be expected to attend all, I think you could miss one travel bout and one home bout. And that's like, our season was mostly in the summer. It still is. It's like April to August. So we just had our last, the last one of the season was a couple weeks ago. Um, and that way, so like every, yeah, like one Saturday a month. And even as a volunteer, that would get, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to stay positive about the whole thing. Cause it was still a good experience and I loved it, but I was like, as a volunteer, I was doing, you know, a Saturday a month and it doesn't sound like a lot. 
But when you think about like, well, it's summertime and there's so many other things going on in town, you know, because it's like maybe and the bouts were indoors. Maybe I want to be outdoors at night. And it was always like one bout was always like around my birthday. Another bout was like around Mother's Day. Another another bout was usually around Pride weekend. So there's all kinds of other and Indianapolis just gets more and more stuff like every year, which is great. But then, um, but yeah, so even as a volunteer, I was trying to like still follow all the rules as far as like only missing one home bout. And I just, I think my, maybe it was my next to last season of volunteering every bout. I was like, it was the summer I graduated from law school. So I wasn't going to volunteer on my graduation night when I could go party with my, <laughs> with my law school classmates. <laughs> and then, um, cause that was like one. And then like, I was also a volunteer with the film festival and they always had about like the same night as the film festival, like big either opening or closing night, you know? So there's just kind of all these. So like, you really have to just like make that commitment if you're going to do it. And I'm somebody, like, as I said earlier, like I have multiple jobs and that's probably kind of something about me that I, I can make a commitment, but I also, uh, uh, <laughs> if I, if I can make a game time decision, I'm, I like that better than, okay, my whole summer is just like every weekend I have the same thing. But again, but if you love it, it's fine. Um, but I think that's also why like a lot of people end up kind of burning out from it after a couple of years because mm-hmm. it just gets to be a lot. And then we also had like one of the kind of jokes, which also makes me cringe, is like the nine-month injury where the skaters would get pregnant and then they'd not skate, you know. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you could skate while you're pregnant, I guess, but it's just, again, it's contact sport. It's probably not yeah. a super awesome idea um and so like but then a lot of them do come back which is also kind of cool because like we were saying earlier like it's very body positive so we'd have like a lot of skaters who were either new moms or kind of recent moms and they would also like it was like a i don't know a safe space is like the bad word or good word whatever but it was kind of a safe space so that these women could talk about what it was like coming back from being you know just having a kid and that was something that that's something women don't really, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised we're even talking about this at all, but, but that was something like women don't really talk about a lot, you know, even amongst themselves. And so again, I'm not a mom, but just witnessing that was also kind of like this cool moment of like, okay, well, that's interesting that they can have this conversation. And it's like all like out in the open. It wasn't like just two women off to the side chatting in a corner. It was like during stretches at the end, <laughs> at the end of the, you know, the, the whole thing and so um so yeah there's definitely like all these kind of like like I said earlier it's kind of like little weird side benefits of of this kind of sport yeah I I would imagine for for the moms especially new moms that's got to be a fantastic outlet oh yeah for getting getting some some um maybe not so much personal time but in a way it is personal time um and and you know getting a break from you know the monotony of the day-to-day and you know nowadays we keep hearing a lot of that work-life balance you know we hear about work-life balance all the time people talk about that and and it's always directed towards women because it's like how do you balance being you know everything right (laughs) it's like it's not really about I mean yeah like I yeah that's like what I hear a lot it's not really it's it's not so much it's a balance it's just you just do what you gotta do right and and that's that's kind of what irks me about that phrasing that work-life balance is like I I don't think there's a choice in it it's 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 kind of more than anything it's surviving it's just making things happen you have you have obligations you have responsibilities it's not a it's not a balance that you're 
you know, mm-hmm. a choice for the most part. But I think that's got to be a really nice opportunity for women in those situations. And um, and kind of going back a little bit to the um, to the the physical parts of it, I would imagine there's probably a little a nice way to get a little bit of frustration out of the game as well. Yeah. It's got to be a really healthy way to do that. And it's like, well, and something I liked and I've, I've read other Derby um, skaters blogs about this too. Like it's a lot like, I mean, it's almost like meditation in a, I mean, that's kind of a stretch, but not really because you're like when you're out skating and when you put your gear on, like you're, you can't think about anything, you know, like you have to be thinking about what's going on around you not oh yeah you're laser focused yeah you're, you're in the zone like mm-hmm. not like oh I needed to get this project done for work or oh I've got to make this phone call when I get home or oh my car oil needs change like you can't think you just don't have the opera I mean I guess you could if you somehow have that way of <laughs> if you can somehow manage that okay fine but um but yeah but for a lot of the a lot of the time like those couple hours you're just on skates even if even when you're just watching other people do their drills until it's your turn or whatever you're you're in the zone like you're ready to like you're ready to be hit or to hit or to skate fast because some sometimes you're just doing speed drills and that's just all you're focusing on is your form and your um and how you and even I don't know like your um like cardio strength you know whatever and so there's all kinds of things going on around you. Yeah, you have to, like you said, you have to be laser focused on what's happening. And that was something I like. So there's even like in town, there's a, and maybe other cities have this too. At one point there were, there was like a whole, like a bunch of different ones um, where it's not, you're not part of the Derby League, but you can still do like the exercises that go with it more or less. Like there's some, you know, oh, cool. it's not always con- like some, usually it's no contact as far as no hitting, but there's still probably some, you know, normally contact in derby of some kind, um, but just not the hitting contact. And so um, so I did that off and on for a few years and even just being able to be on skates. And those were shorter. Those were an hour and a half. But pretty much the whole time we were skating. And so other than maybe just warm up and cool down. And um, and I always liked those because that was and those to me were like a good just like way to like kickstart just being healthy and just exercising and in my own time you know even if I couldn't and then the only thing about those like I, I love that they do those the only thing is they're on, they're like only offered on Saturday mornings which for some reason seems just not usually a good time like I have other things I sometimes other obligations on Saturday mornings um but I think um but that's another way like for somebody who's maybe interested in doing it but isn't sure if it's for them they could find out if their local league has some sort of just exercise class that they offer and even if they don't they could always just try to do it as like when's your next boot camp and check that out or maybe even just go to a practice some of them will even let you just attend a practice not a lot of them though because the practices are focused on preparing for bouts but uh, but if they're in an off season they might be in a point where they're about to recruit or are recruiting new skaters so um yeah, so it's like another way if somebody's, you know, if there's a roller derby league in their town and they want to get um they want to get into it but they're not sure how. Which it sounds like a nice way to kind of dip your toes in if you're not sure if it's something you'd want to do to, you know, try one of these um boot camp type things like uh, it's good if you're if you're unsure right. <laughs> if exactly. you're, yeah, you're going to be up for it or not. Yeah, cuz it's like a lot and even but even like those 
Like the one that my old league does, it's um, you still have to get the whipped insurance, which is like 70 bucks. So oh, wow. that's part of why I haven't done it this year. But if but if I did it, like I would be covered for the whole year. So if I did one like earlier in the year and then was doing it the rest of the year, I wouldn't have to pay that. seven. I would just pay like whatever the class fee is because um, I still have all my gear. I just haven't worn it in a long time. It sits in my it's sad. It sits in a little suitcase in my basement, <laughs> just like waiting. It's like, when are you going to use me again? When are you going to skate again? I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you have any favorite moments in roller derby? Anything that you can recall that was just a special moment for you? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think just like, just in general, like the camaraderie of the teammates, um, I did like I would kind of like I was in law school during a chunk of my time with the league. So one of the things I really liked would just be like if I left for a little while and then would come back, assuming I still knew, you know, some of the skaters in the league, which I normally had a couple. um, That was just like a nice feeling because usually they're like, oh, hey, Pam, it's been a long time, you know, or um, and we have a couple like Facebook groups that people still chime in on. So that's kind of nice to like, you know, just know that people kind of remember you are and like and I'm maybe that's not everybody's experience but again for me that seemed um that seemed to be the case um but I wish I could yeah like I wish I had like a really just singular moment but I mean I liked like the one time like you know of the couple times I actually bouted that was really fun because then I was like I, but for me, I was just kind of like, okay, just push me <laughs> wherever you need to push me, and <laughs> like literally just like shove me into somebody. It's fine. And so that happened a lot in that bout. Um, that was a good time. Um, I think too, just like getting like the skills. You, there's like a skills test you have to do. Um, there's well, there's a written test, but also a physical test. And I think just passing the skills test, I passed it multiple times because I would kind of like I said, I kind of come and go. Um, but I think the first time passing. And part of the skills test was you'd have to do so many laps in a few minutes. And so being able to pass that was like a really awesome accomplishment because it was just me doing it, but it's hard to get to that level. Um, Again, unless you're like a speed skater or you're always doing it or whatever. Um, But yeah, and just, I guess, like I said earlier, like just all the different weird practice spaces are still, like I had moments of like, I remember one time, I was at a practice space and I was waiting, like, I don't remember why I didn't drive myself. Maybe I carpooled with somebody, but then they couldn't drive me home or whatever. And so I was like waiting for my ride and my, um, my teammates were just like, oh, you're not going to stay here by yourself, are you? And I was like, well, my ride's on this way. I'm just waiting. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, we'll just let, you know, it's like, I just sat in the car with them and then we ended up talking about like how they got into Derby and why they like it. You know, it was just like this kind of fun moment and then my ride showed up like a minute later you know but it was still like but again like they were just so nice like oh no let's like we'll watch over you know we'll make sure you get home safe or at least your ride gets here safe or whatever and um and that but that happened a lot like that was kind of the just that was the norm for um for my league yeah it, it's more of the like we were saying the camaraderie of the of, yeah. of a, a team yeah. working together as as opposed to you know there's plenty of solo types of sports out there. And I always, I always think these, those look kind of sad when you see uh, like Olympic athletes that are working like, like gymnasts and swimmers and stuff. And it's like, I, I 
always thought being a part of a team would be more fun. I think yeah. being able to have the, you know, your your fellow teammates to lean on and depend on and working together. And that's that's definitely a special aspect of roller derby. That's that's really awesome. Um, so as we're wrapping up here, I just want to ask one last thing. Uh, if someone is brand new and they're like, this sounds amazing. I want to get involved. What kind of advice would you give them if they wanted to get involved in roller derby? So I think just keeping in mind the time commitment that could go with it. I mean, the time commitment could be anything from you do that like one class a week, if that's an option for you in your city, or it could be volunteering a couple of times or whatever to going all in. So I think it's like if you are at a point in life where you're like, you know, I have, I want to try a new hobby. This is what I'm going to do. But yeah, like there are ways you can ease into it there. You can just go all out. Um, but I think it's just kind of being realistic about that from maybe from the beginning. Um, and I knew that going in too, that it was going to be a huge commitment. And that's also why I ultimately was like, you know, I really like this. I want to do it. But at the same time, I don't know that I, I have other things I like too. <laughs> so I like to, <laughs> I want to have that balance of other stuff and this stuff. Um mm-hmm. But if, but I, like, I think I was saying earlier, like if you are in a new city or somewhere where you are trying to, you know, you want to make friends and you, and, and you think you could, um, get involved with something like this, even if it's not related, even just some, whatever, like some other hobby that has a big group or whatever around it, um, that would be, it's like a good opportunity to like meet new people. And even if you're only friends with them on the track, you're still kind of making those connections, um. And like we would sometimes like because sometimes we'd go out after, a, you know, after practice to like go out to dinner or if it was somebody's birthday, they'd maybe have like a cake or cookies or whatever, you know. So, um, but yeah, I think that's a big thing is a time commitment. Also, like be real about your physical abilities, because if you have injuries that are pre-existing and then you do derby, it's going to be really it may, not impossible because if you've already like overcome whatever the whole healing process or whatever, and physical therapy and stuff, you're probably okay. But maybe if you're not sure, like maybe talk to a doctor before, like any exercise thing, just to make sure that you can handle it. Like I had a friend who had um, some sort of like repetitive knee injury and she went to her physical therapy and they were like, oh, could you show it? I don't know if she showed them what um, some of the stuff we would do at practices or if she had like a list of things and had to explain each one or whatever. And they were like, whoa, no wonder, because, like, you do a lot of, like, falling on your knee. I mean, that's, like, on purpose. You learn how to fall, so you're falling safe. Or they okay. or they call it falling safe and small. That's, like, one of the first things you learn. So, because if you fall and you're, and you're all spread out, someone's going to run over you or fall on top of you or, you know, and it's some sort of not good things, and they could get injured, too. Um, so there's a lot of knee falling, a lot of, like, uh, cardiovascular stuff. Um so yeah, those would probably be the kind of the pra- on the practical side of the time and the injuries. But then, um, but yeah, but it's also it's, but like I said, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you meet people you probably wouldn't meet in other ways, you know, otherwise, um, in other circles or whatever. And and also just be open minded. Like if you're, if you are like the spectator who's like, oh, why would she wear that outfit or why would she play derby or whatever, this maybe isn't the sport for you. You know, like. I think everybody should be welcome to try it, but at the same time, it is meant to be a very like body positive type 
sport and it's not you know so if you come in being negative you might get shut down <laughs> so just be prepared for that i guess um, all right <laughs> but again and it's and even the t- and the other part of the time commitment is like it's not you're not just going to go and skate unless you are just do, just only doing the skate class like you are going to be you know you're going to have some work but again that could be a good thing too because if you sign up for a committee you're going to get you know get to know your other committee members and then figure out what um what you can do and then like there's also a point of pride in doing that because like when I would help with press releases or posters or whatever even if it's just copy editing a poster or you know proofreading or whatever I would still have like when that poster would come out I'd be like oh I caught that typo you know or oh that poster looks really good oh I'm glad they did this this and this with it you know or if you have friends say oh hey we want to go check out roller derby but oh and I guess the other big thing would be like go to about like just check it out see a lot of times they'll have like a sign up sheet or something for you to like or a Facebook page or whatever to learn more about um about what that league is all about. So um yeah, so that's like another another thing I guess I would say too is like try to just find out as much as you can about it and how they um find out if they're recruiting and how they do that. Awesome. Well, I, I can honestly say if it wasn't for the fact that I am a terror on roller skates <laughs> and I have a bad knee um you uh, you honestly uh did such a great job explaining all of this that I mean I I think it sounds exciting I mean it sounds like a sport that I I would have loved to have gotten involved in but boy I would be I would be scary on on skates I am not good <laughs> I mean you'd be surprised like I thought I wouldn't be good but it was just like after and I mean there are some people that but it's, it's more, I think it's more of like a mental thing. Like, I I mean, maybe not yeah. for everybody, but if you've got a bad knee, then maybe it's not a good, Yeah. maybe not yeah, derby, I maybe do. just go to a <laughs> rink or something and, and still wear knee pads. But, um, but yeah, I mean, well, and like, that's the thing, like I worry about my knees all the time because I'm like, I'm like almost close to 40. <laughs> I don't want to have like, you know, I, I mean, maybe at some point I'll need to have knee surgery because everybody seems to do that. But at the same time. I like having knees. Like I had times where I had I had a job when I was um, at one of the times where I was like really into it, and I think it was maybe even the season where I bought it. And I had um, I did something to my one or both knees. It was so weird because I could never tell which knee it was. So I was like, maybe I just fell on them both weird. But I was wearing like knee, um, like just not even knee braces, but sort of that I again that I bought it probably bought it at CVS or Amazon or whatever. And I was wearing them like under my pants to go up and down stairs for a job where I'd like, I didn't have to use, I mean, they had, um, they had elevators, but I liked the stairs cause it was just like a better workout or whatever. Yeah. And it was faster than waiting on the elevator. But I remember like walking up and down these stairs and they were kind of like back stairs that people normally didn't use on top. So that was like also a little scary. It's like, Oh, what if I fall back? <laughs> no one will find me for days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like wearing, like, but I remember having to wear like those knee things and thinking like, what am I doing? You know, like, is this worth it? Like, this is affecting my job. You know, it's starting to affect my job in a way that I didn't really expect. And also like, again, I was lucky I never broke anything, but I had a lot of teammates that would break like an ankle or a leg and be on crutches for six or eight weeks while their foot or whatever healed and, um, or, or wrist or whatever, you know, or concussions or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so that's, like, also a scary thought. It's, like, because uh, I think there was one, oh, there was even, like, um, just, again, just kind of how the way life works. There was, I was at a point where I was going to do skills testing again and try it. It was in the off season, so I was, like, okay, well, if I do skills testing now, I can keep, I can, again, just come back to go to practice or whatever. 
and maybe about if I am good enough, but I don't think I will be. Maybe, maybe I'll have time. I don't know. Cause I just finished law school and I was about to take the bar and it turned out that the, um, testing was the same. It was like the night before the bar exam or something like that. And I just suddenly was like, you know what? Like if I have an and I, again, I never had an injury, but I was like, but if I had an, some sort of injury where I would have to go to the ER to get checked out and not get home until like two or three in the morning and have to take the bar exam at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever. I'm going to fail the bar like that. That's what yeah, I've that's been scary. I'm like, that's yeah. what I've been working at the last like three and a half years. I can't take that risk. And I mentioned it to I had actually a couple of teammates were lawyers and I mentioned it to them and they were totally like, yeah, that's really smart of you to not do it. They're like because they were kind of like. You could. I mean, we're not going to tell you you can or you can't, of course. Like, and, they, and they were very like, and again, they're very supportive. Like, well, we really want you to skate again. You know, we'd love it if you came back. I even had refs that sometimes would be like, hey, when are you going to skate? And it's like, I haven't skated in like three years. And I didn't really skate like competitively then. But I am but I appreciate you remember that I did skate at one point. Um, and I think, too, because I was like with the league for so long, like I think people just assumed I was like. But when I started, there was only one team and it was very competitive. And then by the time... I was kind of winding down my time. They already had, by then they had added a team. So they had like an A team and a, and a B team. I mean, they don't call it that, but they, but whatever, they had different names. Um, and so, and they both had kind of different rules, like the more competitive one had more travel. And that was the team that our ranking was based on. So they would have like the higher skill uh, skaters on that one. And then like the other team was, um, they mostly just did home bouts, but um but anyway but they're like yeah we'd love it if you could come back but we're just really at the same time we totally understand that you're at a like a crossroads of your life and you need to focus on on becoming a lawyer because that's what you've been doing I'm like yeah that's yeah and I I mean for a long time that was my whole plan I was like I'll just keep you know I'll just I'll just do this and bar exam it'll be fine but yeah I was like oh but or even if I just got a migraine because I was skating on that you know like I just oh yeah and I think I probably had a migraine during the bar exam anyway because it's just so stressful without having Ugh. all the extra <laughs> all Yikes. the extra stuff yeah so um but yeah so that's kind of uh that's kind of my thing but yeah I think anybody that wants to do it like yeah at least I mean I encourage everybody to at least go to about if they've never been um, I think you said you've never been, so I think you should find. I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> you should find. Like, I actually, yeah, I just looked up like one of the local leagues. I didn't even realize there's one right in my town, and then oh. there's one kind of in like the larger metro area around me. Okay. Um, so it's yeah. So I I'm definitely looking forward to checking them out. Yeah, I mean, it's just trying to figure out when they actually have about and how that works because I have like a friend of mine is moving to Costa Rica, and she's like. I looked it up, and I don't know if they even are active anymore because their Facebook hasn't been updated in a while. But I'm going to try to find out. I'm like, yeah, you should find out because I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, but even just wherever, yeah, anytime I find out where people live, I'll be like, your local league is here. It is <laughs> 25 minutes from where you live, and their next bout is in three months because that's when their home season starts, you know, or whatever. And like I said, like I seek it out when I go out. Like I think – and even when I visit, like, my sister lives in another state. When I visit her, I would try. I don't think we've – it's just never worked out where I've been there because it's either, like, a Sunday night, I think, is when that league had – I don't know. But just the timing didn't ever work out. And now she has kids, and so we'd have to, like, do it around, like, the kids and how that would work with their schedules. But I do think it's, like, a really cool thing for kids because they have a junior leagues now that um, they can do. Like, a friend of mine has a young daughter, and at one point I was, like – really encourage I don't know if she ever actually went with her daughter because she lives in another city 
But when we would go to bouts in her home city, I'd be like, you know, you really should bring your daughter because I think. And she was like, oh, yeah, I was like one night was like Girl Scouts night. And she's like, oh, she would love it. Like she was, you know, like seeing these like women and they're skating and they're awesome. And that's just like all, you know, that's kind of like the core of what Derby is. I think I said that in the article, too. Like, I love that it was like kind of this for women by women new sport, like at the time, new sport. And um, and I think it is. I mean, now, of course, there's like men's leagues and junior leagues and and there's all other things have changed. But um, but I think that's still something there's still something to be said, you know, that that is why this version of derby exists and it's like men and i could go on and on about that too but like men had all the sports and like women's kind of right. got this kind of their own thing and i think that's a lot of why it's diy because like women we just kind of get stuff done and because <laughs> we have to but yeah. um but yeah but it's it's pretty cool so i hope yeah like i'm glad people are still interested in it i hope it it continues um for a long time and I hope I can get to another bout pretty soon. Yeah. And I, I think the interest is going to continue to grow. I really do. Uh, that's excellent. So um, if anyone wants to find you online, um, any social media contacts you'd like to mention? Sure. So I've got RJBERF is my Twitter. Um, all my other stuff is locked down <laughs> privacy. So that, and I don't update Twitter that much, but every once in a while I try to put, like if I write a story or if I do something, interesting or see and i i need to be better about it um and then i have a face or a instagram page for my cats i can't remember what it is i think it's carlo and rico or rico and carlo and Ooh, that's, i'm gonna check that yeah, out <laughs> and that's just cats all cats all the time and i'm i have it public but i'm trying to keep it i, I basically just have it so i can follow other animals but um but yeah but my cats are there. and i guess if anyone found that then they could find me on instagram and if Someone friends me and I already, if I think they're cool, I'm, I'll friend them back or I'll let them follow me or whatever. But, um, but yeah. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Rebecca. I learned quite a lot. And if you would like to learn more, please check out Rebecca's article and all the other gal champions we're celebrating for sports month at galsguide.org. If you would like to reach out to me, please do so on Twitter at GeekChicLisa. My thanks to Rebecca, and thanks to you for listening. For more exploration, including show notes and links, visit galsguide.org. Add your voice to the discussion on Twitter at galsguidegalaxy. Support our mission by becoming one of our Patreon members. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you for listening. Returning you to Earth in three, two, one.